0: Hear ye, hear ye, hear ye. Coming to you from the Baker Law Group, Studio 107. It's SOL. Live, raw, and uncensored with your host, Drew Baker. Shady that bait. just happened. Matt Dixon, the Iron Man. A podcast dedicated to protecting your rights by exploring the law, politics, and current events. You have the right to remain silent and listen or call in and become a part of the show. And now, here's your host, Shane and Babe.
1: Richard Fry tells me he started using the COVID-19 vaccine as a trip of probation in his courtroom last week. Latham said the judge told him he'd give him the five-year max unless he got a COVID-19 vaccine. He's not trying to get out of punishment for his crimes, but also doesn't feel injections into his body should be part of the time. Well, this state has a... Uh, buy here, don't like here policy. Both
2: House and Senate have passed the changes that make it legal to shoot fireworks in Ohio, but only
1: around certain holidays, like the 4th of July. Charges that were brought against people, you know, where is this law actually being pursued? We found out that it's really not uh, being pursued at all, so... People are making decisions to light fireworks in a defensive manner, right? As I would always say, they're behind the hay barn instead of over the farm because they're afraid of getting caught.
2: Welcome to the S.O.L. podcast. I am your host, Shake and Bake. I am joined today by the Iron Man. How are you, Iron Man? I am fired up on today's topic. Nice. And of course, Special K, how are you doing today, Special K?
3: I'm all right. I know I've started to get a lot of gray hairs lately that I've had to pluck out. So Mike DeWine's stressing me out. Well,
2: if you don't have any hair like me, you don't have to worry about those things. Um, you just shave it off, whatever's left, and then you just go about your day just fine.
3: Maybe that'll be my new look for season four of the
2: podcast. You, you could go for that. Didn't Brittany? Brittany shaved her... Uh, hair off at some point, I think back in the Britney Spears days.
3: I think that turned out really well for her too. So yeah, yeah I'll just, give that a. I don't know if it's going so well for her right
2: now at 40 and not being able to make her own decisions, but apparently we have to save that for a different show.
3: Yeah, we can talk a whole episode about that.
2: Pop culture, all about it. All right. Well, today the title of the show is uh, season three. This is bonus episode part two. Have you ever noticed the bonus just keeps like growing? It's bonus, then part two, bonus, then special feature, Maybe it's because we just don't want to leave a season behind.
4: We're afraid to let go.
2: Afraid to let go. That's what it is. Gifts I like that. It keeps on giving. Yep. There you go. But this one was really important to bring back because there's a lot of irony to the fact that we covered it and some of the things that were said. We'll get into all that, but definitely need to address this one. It's called, you can't handle the truth. Vaccines in the courtroom. I was expecting something from you, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I want yeah. that truth. You can't handle the truth. Yeah, But anyway, um, yeah, we'll get to why this is uh, so important to discuss today in just a moment. We're also going to revisit, kind of bring back, I wouldn't say from the dead, but from the uh, bowels of Buzzsprout somewhere deep within the bowels of Buzzsprout. Uh, An episode that we did about a year ago, probably apropos given the holiday, but it was buy them, but don't light them. And it was all about the uh, fireworks law or proposed bill rather in Ohio to allow people to actually light the fireworks off that they buy, even though many people buy them, sign a waiver and uh, are supposed to take them across state lines. My experience with that was at least in my neighborhood, I don't think too many people followed the rules. What about you guys?
4: Well, I, you know, I personally did that back in the day where you sign off saying you're taking it out of state because you had no other choice. Yeah. The state of Ohio didn't even care whether or not the state you were taking it to, Allowed fireworks. There. No. They just wanted to know that you were. T- so they were perfectly happy taking your tax revenue. Yeah. But then wouldn't let you light them. Yeah. So my they'd rec- rather you blow your hand off in somebody else's state.
2: My recollection was, too, that uh, the cops were fairly hands off when it came to the fireworks show. No pun intended. Yeah, exactly.
3: The sheriff's office will come to your house if you light them off in a residential neighborhood. Oh, some,
2: ex- And then what do they yeah. do? Tell you don't light them off and then they leave and then people keep lighting them off. That's been my experience. Not me yeah, personally.
3: No. Well, yeah. Yeah. That's
2: how it went. I'm just saying she knows about it. She was there. All right. Um, where do you find us? You find us on all the podcast platforms such as iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, Verbal, you name it. We're probably on it. Uh, we ask that you go on there. It'd be very nice. It'd be very nice if you, if you could subscribe for us. That our, would ma-
4: Our YouTube channel.
2: Well, that's what we're on right now. Yep. Yeah. Subscribe we're we're on live
4: YouTube channel SOL legal podcast.
2: That's right. And I put that actually in the description so people remember. So if you put SOL podcast, it's going to be pretty, pretty uh, hard to find us for some reason. I don't know the algorithm, but if you put legal Podcast, then you're on it. So if you don't mind subscribing, that would help us out a lot. We're um, doing more, more episodes or trying anyway. And. We get more motivated to do more episodes, the more subscribers we get. Plus you're going to get notifications to tell you when we're going to be on. How nice is that? And there's a rumor that during season four, uh, post meeting the other day, we talked about maybe offering a little drawing for something. We haven't decided exactly what the product's going to be yet, but it's going to be cool. You're going to want it. It's not going to be your standard t-shirt or, or hat, or we're not going to, I'm not going to. You know, tell everybody what it is because, you know, Not I'll yet. ruin the surprise, Not yet. but it's going to be good and you're going to want to subscribe. So you get a shot at winning this kind of like Vax a Million, but I promise you, your chances are much better.
4: And your chances of side effects much much less, are much, much lower, less, much lower, much less. lower. Yes,
2: that's right. All um, right. Oh, go
3: ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, but like the vaccine, we can't be sued if it does go wrong. So.
2: Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, um,
3: that is the one similarity. We yeah, have no liability. We, we, if you don't like the get or if you don't like the prize, you'll have not to, our problem. You'll
2: have to sign a waiver, uh, some sort of release before you get it. So
4: speaking of waiver slash disclaimer.
2: Yeah, that's right. We're going to go ahead and play. This is a new disclaimer. Uh, Matt made fun of my old disclaimer. Actually, he had a good point. We were getting some gargling or some buzzing or something. So I spent a little time putting a new one together. And uh, this is what it sounds like. We'll get it out of the way. Remember, SOL listeners, the views and opinions expressed on this show are meant for entertainment purposes only and are not to be construed as legal advice. There is no way, in any way, we are creating an attorney-client privilege. I mean, that's groovy, is it not? Love it. Yeah.
4: Fantastic.
2: Took me about nine hours. Just kidding. Didn't take that long, but it was fun. So yeah, a little more exciting. I think the other one was like cartoony and that was funny, you know, back when we were learning the ropes, but we're, we're figuring some stuff out. I don't know if the cartoon really flew as well as we hoped it would. That's with many things that we do. Um, but let's jump right in here. Why did we call it? You can't handle the truth, uh, vaccines in the courtroom. Let me just update everyone on our last episode briefly. It was, uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. It's out of Georgia, right, Kelsey? Yeah. A uh, judge in Georgia had decided that it was a good idea to potentially offer as an option with your community service in lieu of your community service, should you have been sentenced to something that was a jailable offense. And in lieu of that, you were ordered to co- you know, complete some form of community service, like work at a homeless shelter, work at a food kitchen. Plant trees. Plant trees, whatever mm. it was. Um, if you did that, then, you know, you would be able to avoid the jail time. Well, the judge in Georgia apparently was offering as a form of community service, the option to take the COVID vaccine. So instead of working at the ho- the homeless shelter, uh, instead you could take the COVID vaccine and that would suffice as your community service obligation. And ironically, we discussed this in depth. And there was a prediction made, there was a prediction made, uh, that this could possibly make it into our County. And what was it? A day later?
3: Mm-hmm. One think day later. I we did later. the
2: show on Friday. Was it Thursday? Thursday? And then on Friday, the article came out. Correct. But listen to this. So far, it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like it recorded about one second and that did not come through. I wonder why. Well, anyway point of the matter is uh, we were discussing it and Matt uh, had mentioned, he goes, well, I just don't know with uh, the vax a million, I mean, what's next? It's how long, what the real question is, how long is it going to be before it gets to Ohio?
3: One it was day. a day,
2: <laughs> one day,
3: <laughs> one day,
2: one whopping day. So anyway, so that's, that brings us to where we're at today. Kelsey, Faraway.
3: away. All right. So the Columbus dispatch has an article uh, The Common Pleas Judge Richard Fry, who's in Franklin County, said last week he added the vaccine as a condition of people's probation on three cases in the week of roughly 20 cases he imposed. He said he discussed the matter in open court with the defendants and they said they didn't get vaccinated because they were procrastinating, not because of any medical or religious reasons. So he thinks it's a reasonable condition that we're telling people to get employed and get out in the community, so he thinks it's reasonable to make them get the vaccine as part of their probation.
4: Wow. Wow. <laughs> well, here we go again. So, you know, we we reviewed the Georgia law, or not the law, but the the sentencing coming out of Georgia and it dealt with like mitigate, not mitigating, but reduction in community service. This seems even more heavy-handed, shake and bake. What? You know, Def- how's this
2: different? Definitely. Definitely heavy-handed. So where this differs is when you go in and you're given the option of probation. In and of itself, probation is something that the court has determined we can put you in jail, but you're probably better fit give you an opportunity to complete a list of terms and conditions. And if you can complete those terms and conditions, then you're able to avoid having the jail time. Now, the terms and conditions are set by the court. And generally speaking, this happens in almost every hearing for sentencing I have in an OVI, for example. I will tell a client over and over and over again, they have got to give you the minimums and they've got to tell you what the maximums are. And they're probably going to sentence you to the maximum amount of jail time. And it doesn't matter how many times I have that conversation, the judge says, Uh, I'm going to sentence you to 180 days and that people look at me like, what the, like 180 days, you know? And I I said, you know, they got to tell you that they're going to sentence you to the 180 days, but then they're going to do something called suspend the sentence. So they might say in an OVI case, we're going to suspend the 177 days and put you on. Franklin County uses a term for misdemeanor cases uh, called community control. It's just another way of saying probation. But in essence, they're saying, okay, we're going to shelf. They call it shelving the Have time. Have they
4: really snowflaked the word probation with community control? There
2: was a little bit of that. I don't know when that changed. I do know that, um, you know, one point now on at the felony level, it's still probation. But at the misdemeanor level, it's the community control. So, I, but in essence, it's exactly the same thing. Wow. Um, but what it says is, is, okay, we've put 177 days on the shelf. That leaves three days of jail time. So either you do the three days as part of your sentence, or as a term of probation, they can send you to drunk camp. Everybody knows about the three day program. It's got the driver intervention program. I don't know
4: about the three day program. Oh, I don't so not personally
2: experienced that, but it's a three day program. It's not jail. In fact, I've spoken at many of those. They're they're enjoyable to go in and and try to educate people, not how to get another DUI, but more on the consequences um, as, as you continue to get DUIs, how bad it can be. But the idea is you do those three days and you've got 177 days sitting on the shelf, meaning what? It means if your period of community control is two years, then there's also going to be other terms and conditions such as. Maybe no alcohol, no refusals, meaning if you're stopped and you refuse to take a breathalyzer test, that's a violation of your probation, which anything, any term that's violated, all of a sudden that 177 days reactivates. Okay. And the court has 177 days to give you if they choose to give you all, part, some, none. But either way, it's the judge's discretion at that point. You violated your probation. Therefore, you'll have what's called a, prov- a revocation hearing. You've revoked your terms and conditions. You didn't complete them, so now it's the judge's job to decide: Do I want to give all the time, some of the time, none of the time? Do I want to just reimpose the same terms and conditions? But ultimately, more often than not, you revoke your probation. You've pissed the court off. The court gave you a chance, and you've you know you've you've basically said, "I don't care. I'm not going to follow your your rules. I'm not going to complete the terms and conditions." So now, guess what? the court's going to say, well, if you look at us this way and you take this so lightly, then maybe you'll take seven days in jail a little more serious or maybe 20 or maybe 40. I don't know. Just depends on the case. Depends on the egregiousness of the violation. So this is different because what the judge here is saying is this is a term. If you choose not to go and get the vaccine, it's not an option. It's not like in the Georgia case, where it was community service, you can go plant the trees, you can go to the homeless homeless shelter, work at the food kitchen, whatever, or you can take the shot, and that's just as good. And some people might say, "Well, I don't want to waste five days of my time working at the food kitchen. I'm just going to get the stupid shot." But either way, they've got a choice there. This is different. This is a term. It's in the sentencing entry. If it's not followed, you've revoked your probation. If you revoke your probation. Now you're looking at potential jail time, potentially everything sitting on the shelf. So this is way more serious. And the fact that this came up in Franklin County is bothersome to me because I would have guessed that, that we wouldn't have gone that far. I mean, that, that that's two extra jumps ahead, in my opinion, than what the judge in Georgia was doing. So that's kind of the background on the legal side of it.
4: Um so, is this you know the real question is is you know, is this overstepping on the part of the judiciary to impose a term like
3: this a medical requirement to keep you out of jail
2: yeah, i mean it's it's interesting. I'm gonna tell you another area where this comes up, and there actually is something I wouldn't say it's similar, it's got some differences, but we'll we'll talk about that in a minute. um, but I guess the question is, is this going kind of beyond the discretion that the court has in sentencing is this, you know, a step too far in the discretion. And I mean, I would argue that you know the, the person that you heard in the clip from the intro, the one that was actually, this was a term of his probation, as he indicated in the clip that we listened to at the beginning, he, he doesn't want to do it. And he feels like he's being forced to do it, which I think any individual probably would. It's either jail time or take the shot.
3: And if anybody's curious, the thing that he's charged with is improperly handling firearms in a motor vehicle. So I was curious. No, that's
2: actually interesting. I didn't know what the charge was. So how does that have any correlation whatsoever? I mean, many times probation does.
3: You know, yeah, it, the drinking—you right. can't drink if you got the DUIs. You can't refuse the breathalyzer. It makes sense. You can see how those two things add up. This but, one doesn't.
2: That's right. They correlate well, and and many times in drug cases, you have to submit to a, a urine test at any time. Probation can show up at your house and say, "Pee in a cup. We're going to test it for drugs." That's a very regular thing. That's common practice. So those two things go together because you're a drug addict and they want to make sure you're not on drugs. So that's well correlated. You could argue that giving someone your bodily fluid is not putting anything in you, but it is, I wouldn't say it's medical necessarily, but I mean, you are, you are giving, you know, something that comes out of your body to the, to the government, you know, for purposes of being on probation. I don't know how that aligns. I don't know if people like, yeah. Or that picky about their urine that they don't want to give it away. But, I mean, there's a little bit of a medical part to that, I guess, right?
3: I can see what you're saying, but, yeah, I don't... The difference is, yeah.
2: I think, you're not putting it in your body.
3: Right, and there's a purpose. They're doing that to make sure you're not still on drugs. You're not a danger to the community. You're still not out there being reckless and drinking and driving. There's a reason for There's it. a reason. There's, there's a correlation yeah. to the charge. There's nothing with you were handling firearms in a car and now you have to go get your vaccine. Those two things have nothing to do with each other.
4: So does it, does it affect your analysis or how you feel about it when it goes in this particular case, I believe the way judge Fry had proposed this was you can get five years of probation versus three, one year. Was it, was it one? I think he he thought he was going to get three years. That was his deal with oh, that's the prosecutor. Right. Yeah, no, that's that's correct. And yeah. I believe the judge said, "You know what? We're not doing that. You're going to get 5 years of probation
2: unless you take the shot or
4: you can get a 1 year and a vaccination."
2: Either way, it, I I think it might have been you get 3 or 1, it doesn't matter. Either way, you're you're reducing the amount of probation based on your uh decision to take the the vaccine, but I mean
4: It's a very heavy-handed sentence, right? Because you're 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 sort of waving four years worth of probation over his head, yeah. If he doesn't take the shot, but which you're, is substantial,
2: that's right. And you're also doing something that kind of came up in our discussion on the Georgia judge, in that it's not being offered to everyone. I don't know if you caught that, but there's like mm-hmm. he's done this for three defendants
4: out of twenty uh,
2: out of however many. Shot. So how are you picking who to do this to versus who not to offer this as an option? Now you've got all kinds of outside of the underlying issue with the medical in the court system. And how do those two things play into each other? Where's the correlation? Now you've got you're being discretionary upon who you impose the shot on. <laughs> like
3: Who which is, do you think has a good enough reason to refuse this non-FDA approved experimental vaccine that there's no liability for if it goes bad?
2: Yeah, it's bizarre to me. If you're going to do it, do it. I mean, I'm not saying you should do it. I, I, personally, I think it's, it's, it's way beyond the discretion that should be allowed. But outside of my personal opinion on that, if you're going to do it, at least be consistent. And in this case, it's clear he's not being consistent at all. So I don't know. It, to me, that's just, I was shocked to see something because, I mean, as you guys both pointed out, this is a different situation. This is not choose to plant the trees or take the shot or choose to go to the homeless shelter or take the shot.
3: One last thing, though, about the dispatch article is the Supreme Court, the Ohio Supreme Court spokesperson says the only precedent that they have for being able to do this is that article from Georgia from last week. Really? That was the evidence that they cited Is like, has anybody done any of this before? And they're like, well, here's this article. This guy in Georgia did it. So that's all the groundwork they have to support why they're allowed
4: to do this. Now I know, you know, so obviously we had last week's podcast and this happened the next day. We talked about it and our initial discussion, if you remember, we said it's too bad that in these situations, these defendants probably don't feel they have any ability to fight this and wouldn't fight this because of just the scenario. I mean, you're facing 5 years of probation versus one, whatever. It appears that the ACLU may be taking this up with some of these defendants. No, you're right. And
2: and to your point, Put yourself in the defendant's shoes for a minute. This is a sentencing. The judge makes the calls. You have to be respectful, as you should, to the judge. The last thing you want to do is piss the judge off when you're getting sentenced. It's right. <laughs> like yep. the judge has the discretion to put you in jail. So there's a bit of like almost coercion there. I think, you know.
4: Yeah, what are you going to question his yeah, authority? You're going to say, you
2: can't do that, judge. You can't do that. You can't make me take a shot. Well, next thing you know, you're going to wind up sitting in, 180 jail days in jail. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's also like a duress type situation. You're kind of in a situation where you're in a duress state already because you know, this judge is sitting there and has the power to give you like real incarceration time where your liberties and freedoms are gone.
4: And, and wouldn't you agree that the super majority of the time, the very unique situations where it doesn't apply. But that the judge would follow the prosecutor's recommended agreement.
2: Yeah, that's another part of this. And I won't I won't badmouth any judge. I will say that ninety percent of the time, if not 95% of the time, I can personally say from my experience, I've never had a prosecutor make an offer, talk to the judge about it, get in front of the judge, and have the judge say I'm not gonna do it. And they do have the right to do it. They have absolutely do not have to honor the agreement between the prosecutor and the defendant, but there is kind of this unspoken professional rule. The prosecutor knows the case better. The prosecutor has had more discussions with defense counsel. So I will give deference to my prosecutor. That's typically the way it works. Now, barring some crazy circumstance where, you know, a defendants out of control or, you know, says something it appears to really be, zero remorseful when they're doing the sentencing and, you know, almost, um, just like offensive towards the judge doesn't have any, like, doesn't portray himself as someone or herself that wants to improve and, and go through probation so that they can, you know, better themselves, be a law-abiding citizen. Those are some things that could, you know, certainly sway a judge on, well, wait a minute. you know, this person doesn't seem like they, they care. And I've had judges say that I've had judges say, you don't seem like you're Really that upset about this. And of course, that's when the defendants generally will fall on the sword and say, absolutely, Judge, I'm very sorry. I'm very sorry. You know, but in most cases, it's kind of an unspoken rule. Prosecutor and defense counsel agree. Judge says, I give discretion to my prosecutor. Now, when you start changing those things, it really makes everybody nervous. Prosecutors get nervous because they're like, Well, I don't want to offer something. have the defense counsel agree. And get up there and then the judge do something different because I think it, it feels bad for them. Like they're not trying to impose that, but it's not their job. The judge is the one imposing the sentence. Um, and it's bad for defense counsel because you don't want to advise your client. Hey, it's great, good news. You're going to get three years and then get up and they're like, oh, you're going to get five years. And whoa, whoa, what happened? You know, um, which is why you've got to have a very serious conversation with every client in that situation and say, this is the proposed offering. It's not a guarantee. You know, I've talked. A lot of times, we'll talk to judges together, the prosecutor and defense counsel, and say, "Here's what we're thinking. Are you okay with this? Would you go along with this judge?" And and most of the time, this is before the hearing. The judge will say, "Yeah, I'll I'll go along with that." But sometimes, you know, in in those situations, it's it's bad. So,
4: well, so the judges have a a a lot of discretion in these scenarios. But are there some, you know, judicial canons or ethics that? Kind of hold them to a certain standard.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's there's a, a judicial canon that every judge is. It's a series of canons, uh, not the kind you shoot, even though it's Fourth of July. That would be awesome. It sounds fun if you could just you know shoot a few cannons out the courtroom window for fun. You know, not at anybody, just maybe into the hole in Tangi. You know, just for fun. But no, it's not that kind of canon. Uh, it's the kind of like kind of a go by like your your set of uh, values and ethics mm-hmm. that you're supposed to follow. Um, so I, I look through those just to see, and I, this again is no attack on any judge. It's just, you know, what are the, what are the, what is the court system, the judiciary specifically required to abide by? And, you know, there's one that talks about, um, I, I think external influences on judicial conduct. Now this is taking maybe a step too far in my analysis here, but what about if you're, uh, politically very, you know, left or right? And as a judge, there's a political movement, so to speak, in your party. And and again, I'm not picking on any judge in particular, but think about this. If you are very left and obviously the left is very supportive of the vaccine, where I think the right, generally speaking, is not as supportive, more supports the freedom of choice. Are you kind of interjecting your own political views into your sentencing? In a way that that could violate some you know canon that you're supposed to abide by, it's an interesting like thought now again, I don't know if that's exactly what that was designed for in the sense that you know or is that an external influence, but I mean, let's be honest, everybody's human, they have political beliefs and values
4: is that you have subconscious biases that you yeah may those not
2: those don't fall under this, I don't think, but I mean you know, and if, if a judge in particular, just flip it, say it's a right, you know, very right conservative judge. And they feel as if, you know, um, they're very strong on, on something. And they impose that sentence based on, on a political like movement of some kind and the right, then you would say, well, wait a minute, that's like an external influence.
4: Yeah. No, I agree. That, that at least make you think twice about it.
2: Yeah. And I mean, again, these, these are like the ethics rules that we work under as lawyers. There's a lot of scenarios that you could probably squeeze into one and it may not really be by design, but you can make the arguments either way. Um, The other one would be, you know, uh, you you avoid the abuse um, or in other words, you're just kind of overstepping your boundaries in the discretionary department. You know, you, you are afforded a lot of protections as you should be as a judge because that's your, that's your role.
4: So it's uh, it's simply another sign that Ohio is one of the leaders in our nation. I did a little bit of research and found no other stories hmm. in the nation other than the Georgia uh, story that we saw last week. And this story here out of Franklin County about judges inserting some kind of vaccine requirement or suggestion into judicial sentencing. So. We'll see if it catches on across the nation in other ways, shapes, or form, and whether or not this ends up on appeal. Um, it'll be really interesting to follow how this kind of shakes out.
2: It does, and I'd, I'd like to hear. And unfortunately, I, I kind of scoured through Google to see if anybody had interviewed Judge Fry because I'm curious as to what was the motivation behind oh, this. It's
3: like, in the Dispatch article. Hold on oh, he just right. wanted, he I was just,
2: looking for the videos. I can't read. So I I like the videos.
3: He just wants people to be safe in the community.
4: That's what he says. Well, yeah, he said, since we're sending, we're we're forcing these um, defendants back into the community, back into the workforce, you know, we're sending them out there. We should do so in a safe way.
2: Here's a question for you. I don't know if this is, I don't know. I don't know what the status is on this. If you go into an Ohio correctional facility, are you required to have a vaccine?
4: No. I don't believe you are okay. required to have one.
2: Yeah, I just wondered that. Because, I mean, you, the same argument could be made if you were sending someone you're as forcing. a judge. You're not sending, well, you're, you're forcing.
4: Well, yeah. of course,
2: you're forcing them to go to jail. But you say, but before you can go into the populace, the jail populace, you must be vaccinated for the security and safety of every other inmate. You know, I don't, I don't know if that's been addressed yet, but that might be the next move here. You know, slide that in mm. to that part, and which... I mean, there's an argument there that you've got so many people in close quarters and you're bringing new people in to people who've already been there. And I could see there being some strong arguments, you know, for that approach. But again, you're still doing the exact same thing. You're forcing someone to make a medical decision through the court system that they may make otherwise if they weren't in that position.
4: Yeah. Maybe you have two wings of your of your jail. Now you've got the vaccinated side and the non-vaccinated side. And then that's your annual football game.
3: Well, if that's the justification... That sounds, sounds they, risky. If they use that justification, if they end up forcing it when you go into prison, I would just be curious to see if those same people have that same opinion about people coming across the border. Because if we're worried about people coming in with unknown vaccination status, that's a whole lot of people that we're not checking there either. So they seem to kind of pick and choose when they care about people being vaccinated. Well, same
2: and when they're with not. here. They're, you know, this particular um, Judge apparently is choosing who to or who to impose this on and who who not to. So I don't know. Again, without any kind of criteria that is consistent throughout every defendant walking through the courtroom, I, I think it's that, in and of itself, is is a problem. So yeah. Um. All right. Well, then let me throw something really crazy at you. Um. So here's a here's a wild one. What about John cases. Do you know what John cases are? I do not. I was wondering. I put it on the outline. I wasn't sure if you knew what it was. Okay, a John case is a solicitation case where a male solicits. Oh, oh. you know, a female. Okay,
3: okay no, I know.
4: Solicits it. a male
2: uh, or a female solicits a male. A Jane I'll, I'll, case. I'll, yeah, that's a Jane case. So those do exist, by the way. Um, I can tell you that in these John cases, one of the terms of probation. Is always an STD test. They're forced to submit to an STD AIDS test.
4: Again, you are not inserting a, a medication or medicine or something into somebody's body.
2: Okay, Kelsey, what do you think?
3: Yeah, I think that's kind of the same thing as before. They're just making sure if you're going out there
4: it's like a pee having test. sex
3: with a bunch of hookers that you're not spreading around your STDs. It's, like, so it's, it's a community control.
4: It's well, like a P-test in the DUI scenario that we just talked about a few minutes ago. You are simply providing a sample of, um, of your bodily fluid in some way, shape, or form. And the STD test would be similar. You're not injecting somebody's body with some material.
2: I agree with that. But the underlying principle... I think is the same. Like if you're going to go this direction, I'm just playing devil's advocate here, but the underlying principle of making a defendant take the COVID shot apparently is to protect the community. And I would say that if you're submitting yourselves to an STD test or an AIDS test, um, there are people that are all, you know, I think that does absolutely protect the community, but they're the same value. I think, or the, what they're trying to get from it is the same. Um, but, but when
3: it's the John case, you're protect you're looking into how protecting a, the community from something that they've already then been, been convicted of doing. So when it comes to the COVID stuff, it's not like these people are being forced to get the vaccine because they're like that one lady who went and coughed on the cancer patient at the grocery store. So that would be them more sort of
4: well. Let me ask related.
3: This. These things have nothing to do with the vaccine.
4: Let me ask this question: When you provide when, when you take the STD test, um. Is there a side effect of myocarditis or blood clotting?
2: No, I would think the worst okay. thing that could happen is maybe you get a you get a bad nurse that, you know, punctures a vein yeah. or gives you a dirty needle or something. I don't, I don't
4: yeah, I don't want to get into crazy uh microchip conspiracy type <laughs> yeah. stuff. We could talk about that another time, but there are known <laughs> no, side the effects. Joke. There are just known the known side effects from the vaccinations. Yeah. Okay. And some people feel strongly about not taking them because, again, you're putting something foreign into somebody's body. And no, CD I agree. Well, I mean, they both have that community standard, you know, helping the community or keeping the community healthy, whatever it is. It's different. Public policy. Yeah. I mean, public in, in one scenario, you're injecting somebody's body with something. and another, you're expelling something to help prove the positive or negative. Yeah. yeah
2: no, theory. I agree. I mean, I'm just saying it was an interesting thing I thought about. In terms of anything that involved needles and th- and whatnot in the probation slash community control department, that's one of them where they draw your blood for the um, STD testing.
4: Yeah, program. I was you know, you're also in a breathalyzer. You're providing your breath.
2: Well, depends on if you ate onions that day, whether that's going to be repulsive or not. But go ahead.
3: I think you brought up the ACLU earlier, Matt, and they are quoted in the dispatch as they're comparing it to sometimes judge says that the defendant's not allowed to procreate as part of their sentence.
4: Oh, Buck versus Bell. Oh, yeah. No, I had Where's never that? heard of that before. So yeah.
3: I would put that one more along the lines of yeah. forcing someone to get the vaccine.
2: It, it fits more cozy in that, in that circle for sure. Do All you right.
3: guys think that Bill Cosby got out of jail because he got the COVID vaccine? Is that what?
2: I think that's the underlying conspiracy.
4: Interesting. Yes.
3: Think News. that yeah, I can't figure out why else he did. So that
2: must, uh think, that must be um, it. I, I question the ethics and/or uh, intelligence of the prosecutor that pursued that case, knowing, assuming they knew, knowing that there had been an immunity deal struck prior to. And when you have that, all that is is a contract, and it says, "Hey, I will." I will provide information with the understanding that I will not be held criminally responsible for my testimony. That's the definition of immunity.
4: Yeah, that, that, that specific information that I provide can't be used, be against, used me me against me later. No.
2: And I just, I really want to dig a little further into that because I don't know the answer. Perhaps the new DA was unaware of that agreement when they decided to move forward with the criminal case. That's the only thing I can possibly think of
4: you but would it, think Cosby would have brought on, it up. But it had to come up during the trial.
2: Well, yeah, I would assume that his lawyers would have objected then. I mean, otherwise there would have been no grounds for appeal. But and
4: that should have stopped the case in its
2: trial. I don't I really think this has got to flush itself out a little bit more because I don't know what we're getting from the media. I mean, I'm assuming it's probably not accurate. But, you know, I, I understand why he would be released based on those grounds. What I can't understand is how the DA would have thought there was a chance in hell that this wasn't going to happen. I mean, why go through all that? The resources, the timing and in essence, really that's borderline, a civil case against the prosecutor.
3: Just going to ask. them. Pro- yeah.
2: I mean, you're, you're prosecuting someone for something that, you know, contractually you can't. So, and, and obviously you're dragging them through the mud. There's all kinds of, you know, malicious prosecution. Remember the Duke case years and years ago, the Duke oh, rape process. case. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I mean that was a big deal where that that prosecutor was so entangled in what had happened or what allegedly had happened that that person no longer practices law. They, they had their license pulled and everything else. So I don't know that this will be interesting. Something well, to look into cer-
4: next season. I think there will be more to come in the. Uh cosby matter as we learn some more information yeah lots of fireworks coming out of that case oh.
1: yeah
2: fireworks nice transition
4: speaking of fireworks
2: yeah so last year we had a season uh, episode that was called uh Buy Him but don't light Him. and we had a, a former senator was it david burke yeah yep. or dave burke yep. yeah david burke and he came on. It was nice to talk to us about a bill that he had at that point in the Senate, I believe. Correct. And he was working that through the Senate. And just as a little recap, um, I think I've got here just. Where is the bill now? Like, where are we in the process of moving
1: this along? Yeah, There are two bills. So I have my bill in the Senate. It has received multiple hearings in a Senate committee. And, uh, you know, we keep pushing to get it moved out of the Senate. Uh, My colleague in the House, uh, Representative Bill Seitz, has already moved his bill, which, again, it's a companion piece of legislation, out of the House and over to the Senate. So the House has already passed a fireworks bill. And two, one Senate version, one House version, which are basically mirrors of each other, sit in the Senate. The irony is, four years ago, when I started this process legislatively, It was the Senate who passed the fireworks bill and the House didn't. So technically, both chambers have already passed fireworks bills. They just haven't done it at the same time in the same General Assembly.
2: So, yeah, I remember that. Uh, He talked about how it's like one would let it through and the other one wouldn't and then it would flip. And so where are we now? Where are we today with this as a kind of circle back, if you will?
3: A uh, bill has been sent to Mike DeWine that he can sign that would legalize fireworks on just like 15 days of the
1: year. When you're going through hell, keep going.
3: So
2: what do you think? Is he going to consider this going through hell and keep going and sign it? Or do you think we're going to still have to lie about whether we're shooting him off in Ohio?
4: I don't know. I, I think it's got a good chance it's been through the house and through the Senate. Um, It's, it's passed, I think with pretty wide margins in both. And, uh, this this does not allow a free for all for fireworks throughout the year. It's on specific days, uh, celebrating specific holidays. There are lots of things in here related to safety, um, education, providing resources to um, uh, firemen and or you know different municipalities related to how to
2: how to extinguish the the firework gone bad,
4: how to put your your finger on ice and yes. It, bring it to the ER so they can reattach it. Yeah, But look, you know, the underlying issue here was sponsored by Yeti coolers. The the underlying (laughs) issue here the whole time. And we we learned this from Senator, former Senator Burke was essentially, you know, that people were lighting these off anyway. And why not help educate, uh, you know, the public about the dangers and how to stay safe and allow them to do it in a safe manner, require that like at at the point of sale.
2: Yeah. Well, the other thing about this, I, I don't know about the new, bill, you know, because, uh, Senator Burke is, is no longer in office right now. Did he run again? I don't know if he even ran.
4: I I don't, I don't know the answer to that question. Well,
2: in any case, he brought up a good point. At least the way the bill was drafted in the Senate, the one that he was involved with, it allowed the, each individual municipality to decide, you know, whether or not it was okay to shoot off fireworks, which to his point made a lot of sense. Are you going to allow people to shoot off fireworks in the middle of downtown where you've got tall skyscrapers and, and, and planes and all kinds of things that, you know, people everywhere, is that, is that safe? Or what about in the rural areas of Ohio where you've got dry soybean fields, you know, that that there's got a lot of farmers that could ignite and burn up their fields. I mean, so in other words, it, it just kind of allowed these municipalities to make, the best decision for their location, which I thought was really intelligent in in drafting the bill because now you're, you're making sense. So you, you don't want to let people do it. Just kind of what a willy nilly just light it off wherever. So that I think that's good. I'm assuming that's in the new bill. Um, I don't know that for sure. Well, it's just a,
4: a reminder to all of our, um, listeners and subscribers out there that even if this law is signed uh, today, tomorrow, Saturday, it will not be in effect for this 4th of July. That's right.
2: Yeah. So you're going to have to just hold on to those and hope that the shelf life on the firework is longer than a year.
4: You can take them to Michigan. Yeah. Because I believe you can set them off in the state of Michigan. However, uh, it'll take about nine months for the law to go into effect once it's passed.
2: the The only thing I did not like about this bill is it didn't include um, the ability to buy what appear to be nuclear bombs, which you can buy in Florida, which I bought and shot off at New Year's. And I've I've never quite seen a, a, comer, or a consumer firework that had this kind of sound launching ability and just overall gusto. I mean, these things were incredible. Um, and so I don't think we're going to get those. But if you want to shoot some good ones off, buy some good ones. Truth be told, they put these fireworks out in Florida. This is little inside information and on the table are kind of your run of the mill consumer fireworks. And when you ask them, do you have any aerial fireworks? They take you to
4: a special room. uh,
2: It's actually the back of a giant semi truck trailer. And then they look around and open the trailer and then you go in, you just pick whatever you want. And it's, it was bizarre. The first time I did, I thought, geez, what am I I felt very bad about what I was doing. I said is this legal? Oh yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking why didn't you put them out with the other fireworks? Why are yeah. we in the secret truck right now? But man, were they cool. Wow.
4: <laughs> they did were you, they did, were unreal. Did you set those off?
2: No, Did obviously else not you in Ohio. Know, maybe I, I'd some. You- yeah, I mean, I'm asking for a friend. Okay, I'm asking for a friend if uh, whether or not you know he set them off. Um, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. But it'll. It, it's actually good they're doing this because this is just a stupid law.
3: Wait, so right now the law is Ohio can sell you the fireworks and but make you- the money off of it, and then they can turn around and fine you for setting off the fireworks they just sold you.
4: Correct.
2: Cool. Although in reality. I've never met a person that got fined for it. I've definitely talked to people and even growing up when my family would have our little 4th of July thing with grandma and grandpa and all the aunts and uncles, numerous times the sheriff's office would show up and just say, Hey guys, you can't, you can't set these things off. And then again, we would stop, but then the neighbors next door, the minute the cops left would just start shooting them off again. So I don't know that, that frankly, law enforcement probably has better things to do then run around and tell people to stop shooting fireworks off. So it's probably smart that we're going to change, hopefully change this law.
3: You're not going to enforce it anyways. why? Yeah.
2: And use the resources a little more efficiently than, you know, firework patrol. Yeah. All right. Well, we went a little longer than we thought, but um, that this issue in Franklin County is paramount right now. I think it needs to be followed closely to see what's next. And I, no, we said that last time, which makes me nervous because how bad's the next round going to
4: be? You never know. We might have another bonus episode about yeah. this. Bonus number or, three. Or just an update. We'll see what happens. Yeah.
3: Yeah, Matt, what's going to happen tomorrow?
4: I'm not making any more predictions.
2: Yeah, I was going to say last time you were the predictor. You're a persuadable and a predictor.
4: No is done for the day. There you
2: go. Well, uh, we're going to be moving in to season four. We want to send a special thank you to all the listeners during season 3 and of course 1 and 2 but as we continue to grow this and uh, merge into different areas of current events and how the law plays into that we just hope that what we're providing to you is a solid product and content wise as we've said many times in the past we're always more than willing and and happy to take suggestions on different issues that you'd like to hear about that may involve different areas of law, something that's current in the news. We're, we're making this space available to you so that we can discuss these things. And we'll definitely be more involved in season four. One of our goals is to make sure that your calls make it on. Now bear with us because with that, it's going to require us to do longer shows. Um, a 30 minute show with four phone calls will never happen. So we're going to have to expand the time of the show. Uh, but with that said, we want your thoughts, your views, and opinions we really want people who think differently too. Uh, they, yeah, you know, that want to want to tell us why they believe what they believe. After being trained by Mister Carr, we're well versed in how to handle these other beliefs, you know, and listen. So we'll be excited about that. Um, as for finding us, like I said earlier, it's we're on all the podcast platforms: iTunes, Spotify, Buzzsprout, Verbal, Verbal. iHeart, iHeart, all of that. Um, we'll probably try to actually start doing facebook live and youtube live at the same time some people just aren't overly comfortable with youtube or vice versa so in season four we're going to try to incorporate both platforms if possible want to wish everybody a happy fourth of july this was a year ago we were in a much different space were we not oh, like, yeah. do you remember fourth oh, yeah. of july last year so it's nice to be able to breathe without uh trying to breathe through a mask it's nice to be able to see our friends on the 4th of July, have a cookout uh, with just a couple friends, you know, I was gonna say, I'm still wearing two masks. Yeah, so you I should. don't know what you're talking you, about. Maybe three.
4: And 95s or cloth?
2: Whatever, mm. whatever Fauci
3: says to do. Well, yeah, you no might want to check his resources yeah. before you, um, yeah, whatever uh, we have enough of. There.
2: That's right. But until next time and until season four, really, truly from the bottom of our hearts, thank you for your, uh, your support, your commitment to listening to the show. And, Iron Man, you got anything else for Happy
4: me? Happy Fourth of July, everybody! Enjoy your time. Be safe. Yep, absolutely. Celebrate America.
2: Special K, what do you have to say about Fourth of July? Enjoy, America.
3: Enjoy your long weekend.
2: There you go, America.
3: Do the cat, do the Kamala cackle.
2: America. Oh, you want the cackle one more yeah. time? Okay, America. <laughs> well, no, she
3: said, "Enjoy your long weekend on Memorial Day weekend." Oh, That's what I was referring to.
2: Oh.
3: <laughs> yeah, she didn't say anything to like Happy Memorial Day. She just like enjoy your long weekend.
2: Yeah. Have a good weekend. All right, guys. We're signing off. Bye. This is Shake and Bake. Out.
0: Thank you for listening to SOL. Join us next time on Facebook Live, YouTube Live, and iTunes. For additional information or questions related to your legal matter, contact the Baker Law Group at 614-228-1882. That's 614-228-1882. Be safe, know your rights, and follow the law. This podcast is adjourned.